much so. So the stuff that I think about is early, earlier you, st- you start this process, the more successful it's going to be. So I look at it as a as a 10 year kind of project that you start from from schools not talking to children because they don't they don't have any opinion no. about what, what they, what's possible on today's show our guest is Samaya the co-founder and CEO of geeks and we're talking amongst other things about the pipeline problem into the technology industry as that clip hopefully suggests this is tech talks the twice weekly podcast hosted by myself David Savage Every week we talk about the latest challenges facing emerging digital and technology businesses, get expert insight from those leading the industry. So whether you're working in tech or just simply interested in it, this is the podcast for you. As the introduction to the podcast alluded to, we are talking to geeks. We'll get onto that in a second and we'll have some tech news later. Before that, Joss has gone running up hills in Wales. Wow, I hope he has. I mean, I didn't see him pack any trainers, but then I wasn't really watching. But I assume he has done. I mean, you do realise that basically this this tone of the line of conversation rather is going to monopolise everything in my head for the next like twenty one days. <laughs> yeah. He um, but we we went away recently and we were at a festival, so he didn't have time to run. Back for two days and he's gone away again. So I'd assume he would. I think he's quite similar to you where it would play on his mind if he wasn't wasn't doing it. Needs to run. But if he hasn't done it, then I'm going to be on his back when he comes back. Because you, you, you don't want a dead choice. boyfriend. I don't want a dead boyfriend, no. I told him, drink loads of water when he does it. You too. Do you drink water when you go running? Yes. You do. He doesn't. He doesn't drink water. Well, not like running. a 10k run, but... But if you were to do a half marathon, would you bring a bottle of water with you? Uh, well, normally I wouldn't bring one because they give you them. But you'd take them, right? I don't know. Like, if I run 16k, which is getting on for a half marathon, then normally I wouldn't take one. I said to Giles, because this has happened to people that I know before, where they've trained for marathons, and then when the real thing comes, they just don't drink any water. No, no, I, the mile I, nine, I've and bought they... a utility belt. You <laughs> do what do you mean? It's a mountain belt. Okay. Uh, and it's got like a holder for water and oh, a spare can... top. Who? What's the superhero that has a belt like that? Batman. Like Batman. Batman. Yeah. That's what you're going to look like. Yeah. Well, not really, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I now sound like the world's biggest geek. No. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, kind of. I don't think Joss has a utility belt. <laughs> so but I think, no, sorry, if I say to Joss, Dave has a utility belt, you know Joss is going to buy a utility belt as well. <laughs> I've showed him it. Have you? I'm sure I've shown him it. Oh, I'll remind him. Well, anyway, so yeah, I'm a geek um, and <laughs> we're, geek. we're talking to geeks. Um, so we'll get into today's interview and uh, when we return, we'll have a few thoughts on it. There is also some tech news later on in the show, so stay tuned. So today we're sitting with Sumeya. You are one of the co-founders of Geeks, correct? Yes. With your husband? Yes. How's that? I mean, that must be an interesting dynamic. <laughs> Well, I didn't think you would start with that one, but I was expecting you would bring that up. Um, yeah, I started Geeks about 12 years ago with my husband, and it's been a long journey because it's even worse than that. We have studied together as well. Yeah, right. so, the, so the partnership goes back to, what, 15, 16 years ago? Sorry, just to jump in. Something, something that people often say to us on the podcast is, Having a co-founder, starting a startup is a bit like a marriage. 
Obviously, you have both. It is literally <laughs> a marriage. <laughs> I mean, it's, does does the does the startup work? Yeah. This even feel more like a marriage than the marriage. I guess. I guess when you get home, it's a chance to. Yeah de-stress and try not to talk about work although that might be quite difficult no, to do it's, it's something that I, I always when I'm asked I tell people that I don't recommend it mm-hmm. because it's hard and probably success rate wouldn't be very high <laughs> that said here you are 12 years later yeah but um, I think for me it's been a natural thing because we started as friends at yeah. uni and then we got Romantic, and then we became uh, partners, and then we got married, and then we came here. Um, so I'm originally from Iran. I mm. did my bachelor in um, in Iran, and then I came here with him to do our uh, master's degree uh, in Brighton. And that, and after that, we ended up working about about a couple of years each in different companies, and then we started gigs together. So, and this might allude to what gigs is. What was the beginnings of that kind of thought process that made you go, ah, there's a business opportunity here? We, we tried it before when we were at university um, doing our bachelor's. We started a company. We took some projects from um, our university lecturers because mm. they were business. And, and by the way, I have done software engineering. So, so a lot of lecturers are business people. So they are they are working outside the university. So we got some projects um, there and we expanded a bit. Um, but like most of the first startups, it failed. Right. Um, and then we... Um, we had plans to do our masters here, so we came here and then did our masters and and then worked a bit to get to know what uh, business is like in the UK. Because you can imagine um, coming from a different country, not having mm. anybody here, not having um, anyone who can who you can learn from, and you have seen throughout your childhood how they do business. Yeah. So it was it was a lot of learning uh, process. And then, and then we, um, I guess we just we just grew up together and and learned to run a business together and 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 um, here we are twelve years later. So what does Geeks do? Geeks is a software development company yeah. um, focused on business automation software. Mm. So basically, what we do we um, talk mainly SMEs, but some some. Um, bigger, larger companies and enterprises as well, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs as well. But mainly 70% is SMEs who, who have identified a need for automation, for, for innovation, for disrupting their market. They want, to, they want to grow beyond what they have reached, and they realize they need software. Right. Um, uh, or they have a, sometimes they have a problem and they don't know how to solve it. And sometimes they come to us with that problem and they know there needs to be some sort of software involved. Yeah. Um, and then we work together and we, we design a solution for them and then um, take them through developing it. Many of them, they stay as a client for forever, yeah. for, for a long time, because it's a, having a software for a business, uh, it's like... It's like any other aspect of the business, it needs to grow with you, it needs to change with the business. As the business evolves, grows, get bigger, uh, the market changes or the services changes, uh, mm-hmm. they need to, or the customer demands changes, they need to adapt to those kind of changes. Um, so they stay with us and we work together. But some of them are projects and they 
come do the projects. And so you're about what ninety staff? Uh, eighty-seven, I think. So what's, what, I know. <laughs> what's a typical project for you look like? I, I guess you go in there initially, and it's kind of consulting. But then it might—is it—is it you might put people on site a few days a week, or is it all kind of near shore? What what, what do the, what do those projects actually look like? If I focus on the semis, because the big ones are very are different, and I can yeah. I can talk about them if you want later. But um, if you focus on SMEs, if you can categorize SMEs and businesses in in any way or form then I can categorize what we do with them but mainly what we try to do is to be their part tech partner be that extension of their business rather than be a supplier because because of the nature of a SME their fast pace the agility their their um, adventurous nature that they are willing to take risk and go uh, to market earlier or, or, or test ideas and they need someone who would be able to support them in that respect rather than hold them back. Um, so for that reason all our processes and, and everything we do, our, our setup is done in a way that we are very agile in responding to those changes so mm. we can we can we can take what they need, uh, what they want from us, or what they take what they want from us, turn it to what they need from us, mm -hmm. and then and then get it done as quickly as possible within the constraint of time, budget, and and functionality. So within that SME market, I think sometimes I'm maybe slightly. Um guilty of operating within the, the kind of the tech bubble you you hear these phrases like automation and transformation and change and innovation thrown out all the time you go to conferences you get the impression that a lot of businesses are tech driven or tech enabled and you imagine that the general understanding of technology is pretty high but you're going back to what you were saying you're describing organizations who know that they need tech but maybe they're not exactly sure what which suggests that maybe that level of knowledge about technology within the SME space isn't quite as high as I might be guilty of imagining. It's it's very very true what you're what you're saying. It's um, mainly my experience. Most of the people, even those who know about tech, they don't know the power of tech. So they mm. know, for example, they have heard about um, AI, which is another fashionable word these days. So they come to us and they say, "Oh, we want AI." I'm like, "What? What? What, what do you exactly mean that you want AI? What does it? What does it? What? How, how? How much do you know about AI? Or, or most of the time, what they are expecting is just um, um, not even a complex to their mind, a complex um, algorithm, automation." Uh, applied to the process yeah. but because of it's it's I think we as industry leaders or tech leaders we are guilty of using a lot of those abbreviations and words and and concepts without properly explaining it to people what they mean and how it can be applied in a business world mm. um, so what we try to do is as I say we, we take what they want or what their aspirations are what their imagination is and then try to try to together translate it to what actually they need and it well might be AI but at least we know exactly <laughs> what they need yeah. um, and then we turn it into into a reality a sort of application for them but that's quite right a lot of our uh, clients that we deal with um, you'd be surprised they operate off Excel files they operate it's fascinating to see businesses of those size those kind of services yeah. they provide they are not using tech properly. So you talk there about implementing some of that technology and, and, and adoption 
of, of these emerging uh, trends. And I guess it's not just emerging trends, just te technology generally, but you, you've been running or involved in some awards locally recently. Was it, was it yeah. Geeks Led or was it something that you were just involved in? The most recent one was the one that we um, we went on uh, with one of our clients right. as a as a joint. Um, it was UK Business Awards. The category was um, uh, digital team, outstanding digital team. So, say we're looking for a good example of innovation, of adoption of technology, and what that looks like successful in practice. As, as a judge, what are you looking for? What, what do you think that actually looks like um i've judged before awards of technology i think what i would look at uh, look at is sustainability of right of an adoption of technology how meaningful it has it has been adopted is it is it um is it empowering that um business is it make that business being able to adopt more technology or for example was it so expensive so ridiculously complex that they're not going to touch it ever again <laughs> or or they have not learned um practical lessons uh for the future so uh, what i would look at it is first of all return on investment i want to see they have justified because the adopting technology is an expensive um, exercise so i want to see they have thought about how they would get a return on investment i want to see they have learned and changed through the process and I want to see um, that they, they it made them more eager to keep adopting more technology. So right. these are my would be my three criteria. Now coming back to something you said at the beginning, you uh, you did have a, an initial startup and it failed, and then you've had this second startup. Um, am I right? This was probably yeah. yep second startup, and it's been very successful. What did you take from that first experience, other than just understanding how? business operates in the UK but what did you take from that first experience that you did differently or maybe kind of went ha we just need to tweak this to make it work second time around um I think it was a lot down to maturity of us as as people who yeah. who, who, who were great because so, remember we were students at the time and our understanding of how a business should be run uh, was not as deep as when we started the second one so having worked in different businesses with the view that you want to uh, create your business at some time you pay more attention to everything else than just your own mm. job so you pay attention to the company that you're working how do they run how do they employ people how do they do their marketing how do they... so you learn a lot but just observing when you're when you're in an organization but that's an interesting point because it's very fashionable now to be a, an entrepreneur a startup founder straight out of the university and there's a rejection of corporate and corporate seen as, as somehow bad but what you're saying there is actually that understanding of how a larger organization works really helped inform you to, to build a good company we we i worked in um in a small business i wasn't working right, in okay. a corporate my husband he worked for bbc for okay. for, a, for a bit so he he was more um in that area but i think regardless of the size and nature of the business there's a lot of learning possibilities when mm. you know what you want to do um, in the future, you pay more attention to the, your surroundings and, and, and even the conversations you pay. So, for example, I learned a lot, a lot from my boss at my company that I was working, which I have a really good relationship with still after like 15 years. So we go to have a coffee together. Um, I learned a lot from him on how to manage a talent because yeah. I was a talent. I was a very difficult talent to manage because I was very ambitious. I... I was all outside the box 
kind of thinking I wanted to change the whole process and the way he managed me throughout the two and a half years we worked together it was I learned a lot on how mm. to manage talent how to manage ambitious people how to manage someone who wants to do a business uh, of their own and and how do you get the best best out of them while you you have them basically mm. um, so I, I think there's a lot of learning and I think there is that element of these days people are impatient in getting what they want to achieve um, and don't, uh, everyone wants to do it so fast they don't recognize that element of sometimes you do have to do your time in uh, in a space before you move on to the next one last question and i'm afraid it's 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 not a an easy question to answer but i'd be interested in your, on your I'm perspective fine. you're female you're from a, from a minority group um you're an you're an immigrant to this country uh, you're a female software engineer, you're kind of in quite a lot of minority boxes, and yet here you are successful 12 years on with, with a business of your own here in London. Yeah. What do you think we need to do to encourage more people from minority groups, more, more women into the technology industry? Um, it is a hard <clears throat> question, as, as you say, because if I, if I answer it personally, it would be different from what would I have as a suggestion? So personally, how do I? How did I get here? I never thought about I'm a minority. I never thought about um, I'm a woman. I never thought. Although you would, I would face situations mm. because I was a woman, but I would never. I always thought everyone has some sort of challenges, and that's my challenge, and I deal with it. Um, but if you're looking to proactively change that space, there's going to be some people who would do it regardless. Yep. Uh, but if you're going to change the course of the, um, the or the speed of this change, um, then there are things that we, we could do. And I, and I uh, very much try to do that as much as I can. And I'm very much open to whoever wants to collaborate to make it a bigger scale um, kind of project or process. Do you, do you think parents and schools need more support? Very, very much so. So the stuff that I think about is early, earlier you, st- you start this process, the more successful it's going to be. So I look at it as a as a 10 year kind of project that you start from from schools not talking to children because they don't they don't have any opinion no. about what, what what's possible but talking to the people who are who they are exposed to so their parents their um teachers their um i don't know sport teacher like whoever who is in touch with those children the people who make programs for them and the people who make toys for them so a big example that i was given i talk to people is about um, the laptop toys for boys and girls. The girls' laptop ha- ha- has, or the uh, research they have done, has like six keys, where the laptops for boys have like 25 keys or something. So that just yeah. shows like we destroy. It's just bizarre <laughs> that we're creating boy and girl children's laptops it makes no sense exactly exactly so that that kind of and and yes we can't go about and change the whole the whole country and the whole industries but there is a big space that i try to get involved and work in which is the schools and talking to head teachers and try to talk to the parents do conferences for parents to just show them first of all just appear in front of them as a woman Mm. who who um who uh, work in the tech who run a business um, 
And yes, I used to be a, a software engineer, so I was coding, but now these days I, I'm not coding. So this is another perception that needs to change that working in the tech industry doesn't mean you have to be a programmer. There are so many other different yeah. um, uh, jobs that you can, you can do, roles you can play, uh, but who can tell them if they don't even know what's going on so this is our responsibility to go back and tell them and show them um so i think that's that that's a big passion that i have well look it's been a pleasure to speak to you today thanks for your time and you. uh, if someone wants to find out a bit more about geeks geeks.co.uk geeks.com uh, geeks.ltd.uk there we go geeks.ltd.uk yes awesome thank you i think we spend a lot of time talking about successes in the um, world of startups mm. and we don't spend enough time talking about the failures which is interesting because just about every single founder you talk to has failed at some point mm. and one of my favourite recent episodes of the podcast was with Julie Fidel where she talks all about her purpose hangover I think you were on that yeah, show yeah I remember and I really like the point that Samaya makes that people are impatient and sometimes you have to do your time yeah she tried to run a startup with her husband and actually it failed and she felt that they needed to go away and basically to observe other organizations and how they did things like HR mm. and have a look at how other managers managed her. I completely agree with it because when she was set, I mean, I'm still really junior in my career. When I think about how different I was two years ago, graduating to, to now being two years in a corporate business. You learn so much. I think I'm a different person to what I was. I know so much more. I, you know, you speak to different people differently. You handle things differently. You're put in different situations that you wouldn't come across without doing that time first. I completely agree with her. And I think you've got more chance of having a successful business by knowing how a business works inside and out from actually working in one. Like I've got friends that finished uni and tried to do the same, like, like creating their own brands and just not really like struggling with it because they don't know anything else. Do you think there's pressure put on people when they come out of university now to be an instant success? Or, or do you think that's, that's pressure they're putting on themselves? I think pressure they're putting on themselves. I think it depends on, on the person because we were actually in a meeting the other, well, the other day, a few months ago, and we were asked this question, oh... Um, you know, which one of you plans to have your own business one day? Only half people in the room put their hands up, which I thought would be more. And me personally, like, I don't reckon I'm capable of, of starting my own yeah, business. No, I, so I've never had that pressure. I mean, and my friends as well, I mean, this is just my own personal experience, have never really voiced it. But then, like, you know, but there are people out there that have these ideas and things they want to do. But I think a lot of it comes from social media as well. I mean, you see at the moment a lot more like not tech startups to search for people that are doing like their own clothing brands or like makeup mm. brands or services so I think Instagram you see it everywhere it's easier to have platforms I think people might see that and think oh okay well I can do it like I can do that I think there's a similarity in that social media can make all of this seem easy easier than it really is in a similar way, when she talks about the industry and SMEs looking at um, adopting technologies like AI, because technology leaders use abbreviations 
very freely. They probably hide the fact that there's that this is a very complex solution that they're trying to bring to the table. I think I think the industry as a whole is guilty of over oversimplifying, using too many abbreviations, and making people think that that things are there for the taking too easily. Whether it's adopting a solution or building a business or yeah. achieving stuff in life, and I don't know, yeah, that 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 line of people are impatient. Yeah, we know people are impatient, but. Sometimes you have to do your time really resonated in lots of different ways around what she was talking about in the internal workings and processes of a business, as well as people's own career development. Yeah. So I think I remember us speaking about this, I think before on, on another podcast, and I remember saying... Or I'm hoping saying, that was Tech Talks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> cheat on you, Dave. <laughs> but I remember saying, oh, I wouldn't even know where to start with the compliance side, the contract side, the legal side, all these things you have to take into account. Like, it must be so daunting when you actually mm. think, right, I'm going to do something. Oh, my God, where the fuck do I start? Because where would you start? No, I have no idea. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, what about this pipeline problem? We talk about pipeline problem of skills into technology. Mm. Um, I'm not going to touch too much on, on male and female. I mean, other than the six keys, 25 keys, gender stereotyping toy. I think I've mentioned that in another podcast recently. It's just nuts. Wait, that, what does that mean? Sorry. Oh, that... sorry. So there's there's a toy laptop. Mm. Um you would think that you just need a toy laptop and it doesn't matter if it's for a girl or a boy. No, you have a female, a girl laptop with six keys and a boy laptop with 25 keys, immediately suggesting that the girl's Girls. version should be dumbed down. Yeah, I can't. Well, in the UK? Yes. What? I know. How recent is that? Now. Oh my God, someone should write a letter. That's horrible. To whichever company's producing <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, that's so insane. The look of shock on your face. <laughs> I know. Um, but look, that, that we know is an issue. And that's something we've spoken about before. I'm not going to gloss over it, mm. but I am. <laughs> Just because I want to talk a little bit more about the interesting point that she, the, that she makes around, you know, you've got to talk to the people who are touching the lives of these children, parents and teachers, and it's a pipeline project. It's like a 10-year thing. You know, you're interacting with kids. You're... You're intervening when that toy is coming into their life and giving them a false impression of actually what what's what's available to them. The girls shouldn't be put off that the boy's laptop is is bigger and has more keys. They shouldn't mm. be made to feel that technology is somehow not for them and it is for boys. Um, but you've got to work with parents and teachers to keep encouragement all the way through. And we often talk about the need for more role models within the technology sector. I think there are lots of role models. I think the problem is, is that role models, typically speaking, aren't there to encourage people from minority backgrounds and, and girls uh, to continue with science and mathematics when they get discouraged. And unfortunately, teachers and parents can be the source of that discouragement. Yeah, I, when when she said that in the interview, I did think about like, my own experience at, at school. And you know, I was comparing it, so like the like, disparities about women and minorities being in, in, in tech. And, and you see it in other sectors as well. I was thinking, like, back in school, like, you know, dance classes, for example. Well, they, they, okay, they, fine. But no, but okay, hear me out. I have so, so, so they were always, like, taught by, like, women teachers and, like, always the, the girls wanted to do it at school. Well, even in gyms. Yeah. Like, and like, When is a man ever to run a Zumba class? Exactly. And, like, go, and guys don't want to do it because right. it's, like, a heavily female population and, and they get put off by that. Mm. And then I was thinking about my IT classes and they were always taught by men. And then when you got to pick your options, it was mainly boys that wanted to, to do to do the more technology-based mm. things because I think it kind of stems from, okay, growing up, it's always like the, the women teaching the more feminine 
classes like abbreviated marks here yeah, yeah, but yeah. do you know what I mean I think it comes no, from true. that so that's why that's what I was thinking of when she said it and I think yeah if, if the roles were reversed and it was a, a guy teaching a dance class people would, would go there, to there it. are stats that 100% back up the idea that a lot of girls and I, I am using the phrase girls to apply to kind of 15 16 year olds um, are put off continuing maths and science courses through to further education by their own parents and by their teachers. They're put off from doing it. Yeah. God, that's shocking, isn't it? In favour of other courses. Yeah. And it is that entirely traditional view that's reinforced, and it's a shame. And it's brilliant that someone like Samaya stands up in front of them and goes, hey, this is who I am. And Because I think a lot of it has to do from, you know, what people don't know they're scared of, and and they'd rather push their children down the routes that seem to make sense to them that are familiar to them. Yeah. Anyway, I think it... I think she has some fantastic points in there. I hope you enjoyed the interview. We're going to have a quick break, but stick with us. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Google and jobs. It's nearly the summer holidays, but school isn't quite out because General Assembly, a pioneer in education and career transformation, specialising in today's most in-demand skills, have an offer for you. So GA offer a wide range of programmes in web development, data science, user experience design, digital marketing, product management, and lots more. And for you, for our listeners, they've got an offer of 25% off their classes and workshops by applying the code TECHTALKS25 at the checkout. There are some terms and conditions. They asked me to rank them. Frankly, that's not going to happen. But I can tell you that the code is valid until August the 31st. And it's not applicable to GA's full-time, part-time or online circuit courses. Once the code's applied, workshop tickets are non-transferable. The discount code cannot be retroactively applied to workshop tickets already purchased or used in conjunction with other discount codes. One thing, as a former technology recruiter, I can tell you that there's a real shortage of some of these skills in the market. So with all this beautiful weather that we're having, I reckon there are far worse uses of your time than getting down there and doing a bit of continuous learning. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Little bit of tech news. This is taken from The Verge by John Porter, at John Porty, P-O-R-T-Y, if you want to go look him up on uh, Twitter. Google's job search faces, oh sorry, Google's job search tool faces complaints from rivals in Europe. Okay, let's hear it. So you know about Google Jobs? Google Jobs. Yeah, been around for about two years. Um, Basically, uh, Google Jobs will now appear at the top of the Google search instead of, say, Indeed or Monster or whatever else. Mm. Okay. Um, 23 job hunting sites have written to the EU's competition commissioner to ask Google to withdraw its first party job listing tool from the search results. The sites, which include the UK site Best Jobs Online, um, claim that Google is unfairly pushing users towards its own service whilst their pages are being pushed down in terms of search results. Now, flip side. Not every job site uh, objects to the tool. Some have welcomed its introduction, which Reuters reports drew 120 million clicks in June. One job lister provided said the tool is now the company's third largest source of referrals to its client pages, and applicants are more likely to be hired. On the one hand, you've got some organisations going hangabout. Google are using their own search engine and pushing our pages further down, 
That's bad for our brand. That's bad for our business. Google are monopolizing. What's to say they can't cut out the picture entirely down the line? And some job listing companies like Monster are saying, no, this is a good thing because actually their algorithms are better than the algorithms we can build. The search results therefore are better and we as a business win even if our own brand doesn't appear in quite the same way. How important is it for an organization to have their brand up top and recognized by their customers versus the fact that they're getting better access to a tool, but also with the trade-off that could they be cut out of the picture in the long run and just dispensed with because Google doesn't need Monster to Mm. run its own tool. It's it's interesting. There's a lot of, I can see that the anti-competition rules really kind of scratching its head over this one. Yeah, well, I, I get, I kind of get the more concerned side than I do the positive side because which is coming up as on, on Google Jobs plainly, then that completely just, just disregards that person's, that, that business's brand. So the complaint comes just after two years after Google was fined a record-breaking $2.6 billion for manipulating search results to prioritise its own shopping comparison service. I remember that, yeah. yeah. So like, this is Jobs, yes, but it could be shopping, it, you know, it could be retail of some kind, it, sh- it could be anything that Google returns searches on. It mm. just happens to be at the minute that, that 23 organisations have come forward and made the complaint about the Jobs market. Mm. That's quite a lot as well. It's a massive... It's a ma- I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the EU reacts to this. Yeah, well, I think with that with that case with the shopping things, I remember that. I'm surprised Google have done something quite similar after being in a lot of trouble last time. But we yeah. will see. I mean, Google at the minute is, are arguing that point that, you know, there's been a significant increase in the number of job applications they receive by improving the search experience for, for, for jobs. Yeah, but- Google is able to deliver more traffic to sites across the web. And you have to remember that, you know, when we're talking about Google, we're talking about um, a huge percentage of the mobile user market because of Android. And it's only a couple of weeks ago we were talking on this show about the fact that Google um, might not put Chrome as the only option on your Android, but they will force other search providers to pay for access to Android users, you know. And there needs to be some serious thought about how Mm. Google's reach because of its wildly successful business mm. can manipulate the market. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. Interesting. I don't really have any answers on that. I just thought it was I interesting. Don't. Yeah, you don't. We can't really give an the, answer. The news that, really. is that 23 job companies have complained to the EU. The interesting thing will be to see how it pans out, and everything else is kind of waffle from me. But you know. <laughs> yeah, wow, good storyteller. Did you find it interesting? I did find it interesting. It was understandable. I'm going to tell that story to everyone now. There you go. <laughs> Are you over the weekend? <laughs> it's Tuesday. Yeah, I know, but this is going out on Thursday. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs>